Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. My guest for this episode is a friend from Oh my goodness, so many years ago, uh, Sherry Martinelli uh, was a dear friend of my mom's and, and therefore a friend of mine. And we have had our families connected for decades. And it is a joy to have her on here. She's our first guest that is coming to us from Colorado. Um, so Sherry, welcome. Thank you so much for taking time to do this. And um, as always, before we dive into your whole story, would you just give our listeners a real brief, quick hello and introduction? Okay, well, thank you, Jessica, so much. I am so honored to be with you. And I love that I'm the first one from Colorado. And what Jessica didn't tell you is I knew her mom before Jessica was even on this earth. So um, uh, so it's very exciting. And our my daughter and hers were about the same age. So Yes, I am Sherry Martinelli. My main name was Turner. So you'll hear about that too. I have three adult children. They all now are married. One got married during COVID and the year before and in 2013. And I'm a grandma of two, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And so I couldn't be more excited to be with you. I love being here where I grew up. And I serve on the board of a nonprofit, a Christian nonprofit in town. And I just published a book, which I'll tell you about in a little bit as well. So thank you so much, Jessica, for inviting me. Well, it, it is a joy, and I am a proud uh, recipient of your book, and, and we'll get to that, but like almost anybody who's ever gotten into ministry or written a book or done anything, that is a product of your story and all the things that you lived through and where God's taken you and your journey and your highs and your lows and your trials and your triumphs, they sort of all feed into your purpose and what you do and where you are today, so with that, we are going to start at the beginning. And Sherry, please tell us your story. Well, well, thank you again. And I just want to say right off the bat that I know each of you listening also have a story. And I'm excited that I get to share mine because I've been sharing my story with women's groups actually across the country. And I just want to remind you, if God can use me, he definitely can use you. So I just want to uh, jump right in. I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin as Sharon Turner, but I never lived there. Uh, my mom went home to have me and my parents and my older sister were living in Laramie, Wyoming at the time, and where my dad was a professor of geology and geography. Then we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then my sister was born there. Well, I don't remember any of those places, but where I consider home is when we moved here to beautiful Denver, Colorado, when I was about five. And my baby brother, the fourth of the Turner kids, was born. And I would say I probably had a normal childhood for the 1950s. Even though my dad traveled a lot, he was sleeping in his Jeep on oil well sites. And I'm aware that no money came in for at least a year when my dad was out trying to start his business. So my mom, who was a home ec graduate, now I know some of you, if you're younger, you might not even know what home ec means because a lot of schools don't even have it anymore, but it meant a degree in cooking and sewing and child raising. 
Anyway, she was trying to figure out ways to raise money. And so she contacted Betty Crocker. And she became the high altitude tester for their cakes. You know, on the side of those boxes where it says high altitude recipe, well, that was what my mom created. So she would bake a zillion cakes. But anyway, uh, we got through that time. As a child, I was pretty creative. I was sort of had an entrepreneurial spirit. In fact, I had a preschool in my garage when I was in middle school. And during the summers, I'd take my little red wagon and go around and pick up neighborhood kids. Then I also would write and perform plays in our basement with our two younger siblings. They were my props and my actors. And we'd invite family and friends just so they paid a dime to come and watch. I loved animals. I had a pet butterfly. We raised some chicks. I liked mice and we had a dog. I loved the mountains and the outdoors and camping. And I was a Girl Scout for eight years. I even wore my uniform to school, which did not help with my popularity with the cool kids and middle school and high school days. In fact, I was the tall, skinny, buck teeth, flat chested, wore glasses sometimes, somewhat shy wallflower. And some of the jokes were, if you stick out your tongue, you will look like a zipper or you could do the hula hoop in a Cheerio. But fortunately, right around sophomore year in high school here in the Denver area, I made the decision that if kids didn't like me for me, I didn't need their friendship. And when you know, that summer, our family moved to Michigan, uh, where my dad decided to go back to teaching. Now, coming from a school in Denver, which was often awarded the best high school in the Denver area, and there were 500 kids in my class, now... Uh, in Ypsilanti, Michigan, I was attending a laboratory school on the campus. And laboratory, Jessica, meant all the student teachers would practice on us. And that was the first to 12th grade. And there were 67 kids in my class. But anyway, the timing could not have been more perfect. I was comfortable with who I was. I was starting to wear a little makeup. I had learned about padded bras. And since I was the new kid, I had an unexpected new popularity. But since the school was not as academically challenging as my last, I was able to join a zillion clubs and still kept up my grades, so I was able to attend. Instead of Colorado State, I was able to attend Michigan State. But with my parents raising four kids on sort of a meager professor salary in the late 60s, I knew I needed to pay for the majority of my college expenses. Back then, while working during the school year and getting a good-paying summer job, it actually was possible to pay for most of the costs of a state school. Now, I only am very aware that that is not even possible today. Being we help put three kids through college, so I know what so many of you listening are going through. Anyway, the summer after my freshman year in college, turned out to be a pivotal turning point in my life for two main reasons. I found an ad in the newspaper and became a door-to-door salesperson for Collier's Encyclopedias. We would each be dropped off alone in an unknown neighborhood of some Michigan or Ohio city around four o'clock, and then we would agree on a designated pickup place at 10 p.m., 
usually a well-lit gas station. Now, remind yourself, this is 1968. There were no cell phones. I did not have a car. There was no way to communicate with the office, but I really loved it. I loved the adventure. I loved meeting new people. And now I was a little bit more outgoing. I was confident in who I was. I love taking on challenges, especially if other girls and women wouldn't do it. And I believed in my product I was selling. Plus, realizing the possibility that I could make $75 per encyclopedia set. So I was so excited. Of course, my mom was not as excited as I was. And she waited up for me and prayed every day when I was out walking the streets alone at night in unknown cities. Now, as a mom and grandma myself, I get it. I wouldn't have liked it either. But my parents raised us to be independent and self-sufficient, aware of our surroundings, and wise. Well, or at least I thought I was wise at 19 years old. I had so many ups and downs that summer, whether I was elated about a sale or crying on the curb after another door got closed in my face, or getting rained on, or finding a beautiful new community I never knew about, or being chased by dogs, or having to go to the bathroom and none were in sight except for asking a stranger to use theirs in their home. Or a lot of times I was even invited to dinner by a wonderful family. But then there were a couple of times I was scared to death as I was hiding in the shadows of gas pumps of now a dark, dark gas station that we thought was going to be the perfect pickup uh, location for my car. This summer taught me a lot about myself. It built my confidence. It helped me to be more wise after every negative encounter. I would make promises to myself. And often I found myself praying to Jesus, you know, and when I was desperate. I mean, it was sort of like uh, foxhole prayers. He he always was faithful, though, and he always protected me. Well, the second reason this was a life-changing summer is, without me knowing it, my little sister Darlene heard an ad on a local radio station for a Miss Alterbright smile contest. And well, she knew I was working hard trying to earn money for college, and the winner was going to get $10,000. Now, y'all. That would be like $100,000 today. I mean, that was a lot of money back in 1968. So with the help of my mom, they sent some pictures to the modeling agency that was sponsoring this contest. So one July day, I get a phone call and this unknown voice says, they like my photos. They wanted more and they wanted me to attend a state contest in Ohio since I'd already missed the Michigan one. Well, this I was just flabbergasted because here I am, the wallflower, with no modeling experience, no aspirations to be a model. And I was invited to a modeling contest. So there were at least 30, 40 girls from Ohio, and they were all being interviewed. An extremely tall, exotic-looking woman won to represent Ohio. But then surprisingly, they asked me, the girl next door look to represent Michigan at large. I was I was beyond shocked. Then on the second complimentary trip to New York City, 
to my total amazement, I now was the representative for the state of Michigan. I did not go farther, but for some of you seasoned women, I don't say older, I say seasoned, you might remember the name Sybil Shepherd. Uh, she won, and she had a total different look than most of us. And that started a whole new healthy, athletic look for models rather than the skinny, often malnourished look. This change of events and selling encyclopedias that summer started a ripple effect that in many ways has impacted the direction of my life. Though it was a memorable and fun experience, I was glad to get back to college for my sophomore year since I wasn't really interested in the facades and the lifestyle of a model. But two years later, a professor convinced me if I didn't try it as another summer job to pay for college, I may regret it. So with many exciting highs and disappointing lows, living in three different living situations, I was able to finish school just two semesters late and was debt-free. Plus, I had a model's photography portfolio that I was able to use three decades later. I'll tell you more about that if you stay awake and you listen on. Okay. Well, back then, my friends thought I was a little crazy. Not wild, but just crazy. Like instead of teaching, I said yes to a job selling new and used cars and trucks for a year. And then I was living in a tent all summer being a camp counselor for second graders on the Chesapeake Bay. Or that I was really crazy when I was hitchhiking from Michigan to New York or traveling alone through Europe after the Munich Olympics. But they they really thought I lost it when I decided to leave the security of my friends, a good but low-paying job in Washington, D.C., for another uncertainty of another low-paying job with no friends in a state I didn't care for, working for an employer I wasn't sure of, and doing a job I knew nothing about. But what my friends didn't understand was this was one time when I had asked for the Lord's direction, and I knew I was to take this unusual job opportunity in the state of the nuts and the surfers, California. So anyway, I traded in my old car for a used, cute California-looking convertible, and I was on my way driving alone across country until I totaled my car, running into a car, which I now consider a tank, that made an illegal turn in front of me when I had a green light. Though I was not badly hurt, or the hitchhiker I just picked up, but I bet that taught him a lesson never to hitchhike again, I did crack my jaw on the steering wheel and injured my back. So now I'm in California with no car, no friends, a bad back, and an employer who had hoped I'd be his girlfriend. So no job. But the Lord kept me there. And three years later, I met my first Christian friend. It started with a phone call. The phone rang. It was June 1978. And as soon as I said, hello, my frantic friend burst into tears and said, thank goodness you're okay, Sherry. I thought you were dead. Breathlessly, she then went on to explain that her previous boss, who was my ex-boyfriend from a month ago, 
was shot in the head and the girl he was with was killed. I have learned God will use most anything to get our attention. And this, of course, got mine. As I rushed to the hospital, I was praying that God would save him and somehow use this for his good. You see, I knew about Jesus. I went to church most Sundays. But I only called on him when I was in need. And this was one of those desperate times. As I arrived at the ICU waiting room, I met his sister, Susie, for the very first time. So together, Susie and I anxiously awaited to hear if he would live. And if so, what kind of brain damage he would have, or even if he would ever be able to see again. Well, that's how Susie, a missionary with crew, which was then called Campus Crusade for Christ, and I met. Susie and I built up a friendship over time. Now, just as we were watching her brother miraculously recover. Six months later, she said, Sherry, what is keeping you from asking Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life? Well, in my head, I knew what that meant since my older sister made that decision to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I had clearly seen how her life and her choices had completely changed after that decision. So I answered her question with, well, I'm just not ready yet. I know part of my lifestyle is not pleasing to him. And I also know I have pride issues and and always wanting to be in control of my life. But I'm working on it. You see, I went to college during the hippie era, the make love, not war era. And I was probably the straightest prude I knew. I never did drugs. I rarely drank because I liked the instrument. But over the years, my defenses have broken down, and I was letting the outside world affect my attitudes towards love and sex. And from my actions and my choices, I got a sexually transmitted disease on a supposed romantic weekend with a near stranger. So here I was being lovingly confronted by my new and only Christian friend when she said, do you think you have to be perfect? Well, no, I said. Do you think he doesn't see what you are doing? (sighs) Well, no, I said. Are you trying to change on your own? Well, Sherry, you haven't done too well yet, and you're almost 30 years old. Well, Her words finally made sense to me. She compassionately reminded me how God loves me. He created me. And he sees everything, whether I want him to or not, that no one can be perfect. And to let him have the glory of making the changes in my life. She said it was as simple as the ABCs. She reminded me that he is standing at my door and knocking, and all I have to do is let him in and, hey, admit I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner, that I can't do it alone. He, hey, accepts me right where I am and asks for his forgiveness. Then B, believe as I did that the holy God sent his perfect son to earth to die in my place. And then he rose again, and then see to confess this with my mouth, 
and give up control of my life and trust you. So on that day, I asked his forgiveness for my attitudes, my lifestyle, all the sins I could think of, and then asked him into my life. I felt a a big sense of relief that I didn't have to be in control anymore. I finally took that step that my sister had encouraged me to do for years. And isn't it interesting, the very next week, on another one of those zillion blind dates, I met my husband-to-be, a sense of caring, handsome Christian man named Ken, and now we have been married almost 41 years. Well, I could tell you about all the miracles and experiences God had in store for me for his purpose and his plan, but I just want to fast forward to the most exciting part. It was eight years since I asked the Lord into my life. But now, after attending some Bible studies and learning from some older and wiser women what it was to have some quiet time in reading God's Word, the Bible, I realized I was still holding back small portions of my life that I still wanted to control. If Jesus was truly to be Lord of my life, I needed to surrender and give everything every part of me to him to be used for whatever purpose he had in mind. So in the silence and the majesty of the snow-covered trees and mountains in Big Bear, California, I prayed, use me, Lord. You know every intricate part of me. You gave me my past experiences, my talents, my gifts. Take them and use them for your glory. You know the desire of my heart is to be a stay-at-home mom. But I will do anything and go anywhere. But make it so clear. Just bump me on the head so I won't miss it. You see, what I learned was God doesn't ask us to be perfect. He just asks us to be obedient. And I was beginning to get it. All we need to do is be available and willing. Now, that was March. In May, the Friday before Mother's Day, I was listening to my favorite radio show on raising family. Well, since I had two little ones, I was always looking for new ideas on parenting. And so I'm listening as the host was interviewing an author and radio host named Karen Holm. During one brief moment, she says something to the fact of, I challenge someone out there to start a radio show for moms. Well, I heard it, but I was totally overwhelmed with motherhood at almost 38 years old. And I thought, I sure hope someone does. Well, that night at 10 o'clock at night, I'm finally cleaning up from dinner. I mean, finally, 10 o'clock at night. I'm sure some of you can relate. And I'm sweeping the floor, and my husband turns off the TV and turns on the radio. Now, I don't think we've ever had that scenario before, then, or even after. But now, it's on a different radio station, but the same exact show at exactly the same moment when I heard again that same lady's voice say, I challenged someone to start a radio show for mom. Well, this time I stopped 
I thought, I still remember holding my broom in my hand. I thought, is she talking to me? You see, I had created and produced a cable TV show in Southern California when we thought the Lord had closed the door to having children. And then I had had radio sales and copywriting experience. But then reality returned as I thought of my four-year-old and my 14-month-old and my lack of energy and time. So I dismissed it again. So now is next day, the very next day, the day before Mother's Day, 1987, as I got in my car to leave the grocery store, I turned on my car, and now this familiar voice shouted to me, and I challenged someone to start a radio show for moms. It was the hour review show, and it had just happened to be at the exact moment of five days of recordings that she gave her third challenge again. I stopped the car. I was shaking. I was crying. I had goosebumps all over my body. And I said, okay, Lord, okay, I hear you. And I will do whatever you ask. But please give me the time and the energy and the know-how and the money and the people I need and the children who sleep and a husband who agrees and everything. But yes, Lord, I will obey. He truly bumped me on the head. And that started one of the most exciting adventures of my life. And you know, Jessica, as I'm, I'm going and remembering all this right now, I just got chills again. I just, I, I still can't believe it. It's so exciting. So I was beginning to learn that God had created each of us with a plan and purpose. And he is more interested in our availability than our ability. In the Bible, it says we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And also in the Bible, it says, for you created my inmost being and knit me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So... I left you in the parking lot of the grocery store when I said, uh, yes, Lord. So right away, I called that radio show and asked them to send me the brochure on how to start a show. I was so energized. I had more ideas than I knew what to do with. So about two weeks go by, and I'm coming up with all these crazy ideas. Well, my husband was in bed, and I started telling him all the exciting new ideas. And he says, enough. He's always my counterbalance. He said, you've got to be kidding me. You always tell me how tired you are and how you don't have time for anything. And you think you're going to start a radio show? I really thought that you'd get over this crazy idea if I gave you a couple weeks. I can't support it. Well, needless to say, I was devastated. You know, how can you feel so strongly that God was calling you to do something and for me to start a radio show? But my husband, my life partner, was saying no. Well, I remembered God's word. When you marry someone, you become one. God is a God of order, of peace, not of anxiety. 
So the next morning, I'm jogging, and I'm crying, and I'm jogging, and crying, and I said, Lord, did I hear you correctly? What do you really want me to do? I don't understand. Speak to me, Lord. I'm listening. What am I supposed to do? Then on Sunday at church, the pastor said, I have been praying for this church that you would hear God's will and call for your life and obey. And it might be right here in Irvine, California. You need to listen and obey. Well, <laughs> now I'm sitting in church crying and I'm praying. I'm trying to, I'm saying, Lord, I'm trying to listen and figure out what I'm to do. So as it turns out, I ended up talking to two women in ministry there at the church who said they would pray that Ken and I would have one heart. So I got home and we had dinner that night and I said, honey, what do you think I should do? He said, now get this, he said, I think you should make a demo tape. I said, but, but wait a minute, a few days ago you told me not to do it. He said, yeah, but I think your feet are more on the ground now. Ladies, that was only three days before. And now he's saying a complete reversal. But I know who changed his heart and mind. And now we have one heart. So I was reminded that you always have to keep your ears and heart open to hear God's voice and keep your eyes on his word. Well, amazing miracles happened over the next six months. Like, I thought I should have a song for the opening and closing of the radio show. You know, most radio shows have a song. And I prayed about it with my hands in dishwater. A song came singing out of my mouth. Then, after creating the format, the name Mother to Mother came to mind. And now I had the song. And I finally received the back ordered brochure from the radio show. All this time, I never received it. And of course, it was nothing like the show they suggested in the brochure since I had kept my focus on him. God had made me design the show he wanted me to host and produce. But now, of course, since I was only a stay-at-home mom with no money and no contacts and no experience, there was no radio station who wanted to take on this new show called Mother to Mother. So I waited. And if there is one main thing I've learned over these past, oh my gosh, 42 years, is all about his timing, not mine. Then a pastor asked if I would volunteer my time to create and write a brochure for a new church. I said, no, no, I have to keep focused on my radio show that God has given me. And he said, Sherry, would you pray about it? <laughs> I said, okay, I'll pray about it. And then very shortly after, I think it was two days, all of a sudden, the complete brochure with layout, copy, headlines, even how to fold it, all came to mind. So I called him back and I said, yes, I will do your brochure. And because I said yes to that, I was asked if I'd mind writing some radio commercials for the church denomination. Well, I prayed about that, too. And since at that time, nothing was happening about the radio show. It looked like the doors were closed. I agreed to write radio commercials for this denomination. So now, 
Here it is, August. That's two and a half months from when I had the show all ready to go. And I was recording the first commercials for this denomination at my old non-Christian radio station where I used to work. And one of my radio buddies said, do you know where Bill is now working? He's the new manager of a new Christian radio station. Well, I thought I knew about all the Christian radio stations, so I called him up. And I said to him, I have a half-hour radio show all ready to go, but by any chance, do you need any new shows for your station? And he said, sure. I'm sitting at my desk right now trying to find more local programming. When can you start? Ladies, that station did not even exist as a Christian station when the Lord spoke to me through the radio show three months ago. Now I have the form, the music. A station to air it on, but no money. No money to buy the airtime. And I promised my husband I wouldn't spend more than $100 of our money. It's amazing. I truly wasn't worried because over these six months, I had seen God show himself over and over time and time again. So I said a quick prayer, and then I thought, my dentist. I was going to my dentist right that minute, so I grabbed my tape recorder and my business card. So there I am, sitting in the chair. I have my business card on my chest and the finger on my tape recorder. You know, when you used to have tape recorders, I know a lot of moms today don't even know what a cassette tape recorder is. But anyway, I had a cassette tape recorder, and he said, Okay, Sherry, what's up this time? Well, I told him, and he said, since I work with women all day, and most of my patients are women, I hear their needs all the time. I'd be happy to sponsor your show. And he did. The Bible says all things work together for the good of those who love them and who have been called according to his purpose. It didn't say only the big things. It said all. And that is what happened. It was a joy. And when it seemed that obstacles got in the way, I now was almost excited to see how God was going to take care of even the littlest problem, the littlest hiccup, where I learned to gaze at God and glance at my circumstances. In fact, on one of my first shows, a mom panelist told me this little saying, when in a fix, Philippians 4, 6. So, and wherever you are, say that with me. When in a fix, Philippians 4, 6. Now, let me tell you what Philippians 4, 6 says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request before God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Ladies, God wants us to pray over everything with thanksgiving, and the peace and joy was totally amazing. But just as he opened the doors for the show to start and air weekly for 18 months, I prayed and followed his lead when he said that he wanted me to end it. I even looked for women to take my place, but the door closed. But I wanted to share all these wise and wonderful parenting tips with other moms since I had learned so much because those are the questions I asked. I asked all these wise and older moms all my questions 
And so I wanted to share some of that. So I had an idea for a book. One year later, the Lord opened another door when I won the door prize at a huge conference for women. It was a sweet framed piece of art by the same artist I had miraculously found to illustrate my radio flyers two years earlier, Priscilla Burns. When I found her, she said that she was just thinking of me because she got an idea to do a perpetual calendar for moms. And she pictured me writing the sayings and she would do these cute, darling pictures for 366 days. I immediately said yes, because I thought, now that's a book I could write, you know, roses are red, violets are blue type stuff. I thought, sure. And then as I'm walking away, I thought, what did I say yes to? That's 366 original sayings. But I have learned he equips those he calls. It is step-by-step obedience. In the Bible, it says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. But that's one of my favorite life verses, because all of a sudden, verses start pouring out of my pen. I mean, it was amazing. In the shower, in the middle of the night, I have had the paper everywhere. And the perpetual calendar, Mother's Moments, was born. And it sold over 100,000 copies worldwide. Well, we moved to Atlanta. When we moved there, this was after living in California for 19 years. But before even house hunting, I prayed, here I am, Lord. Use me here in Atlanta, wherever you want. Right away, I saw his fingerprints. Not only did he show us both clearly which house was to be ours, even though it was not even on our list of potentials. He had even something more exciting for us. We moved to Atlanta before our house had been closed, so we were in one of those hotel suites waiting for the final walkthrough and closing later that week. I had enrolled our two oldest, now eight and 11-year-old, in a summer program at the pool in the neighborhood. My youngest, who was four, and I were going to go to a garage sale at the future home of ours, hosted by the seller. And she was a single mom with two young children. That's about all I knew about her. As my daughter and I were ready to get in the van, our realtor called me and she frantically said, Sherry, don't go. The seller is so upset at something. She's even thinking of canceling the sale. I said, well, of course I'm going to go and see if, if there's something I can do. And if this is not the house the Lord wants us to have, he'll, he'll make it clear and he'll provide another one. The whole drive there, I was praying that I could be used by God and help bring peace to this frazzled mom and to be open to whatever it was he was wanting me to do. She had women handling her garage sale, and so she was inside alone on the phone. While I was waiting, my daughter found her daughter playing in the yard, and they immediately started playing together. Since I had never met her, I introduced myself and asked if there was anything I could do to help. As a single mom going through the sale of a home she used to share with her ex-husband, oh, she was so totally overwhelmed. And in a short time, we had things worked out. And I was ready to go to the garage sale when she said, 
since our daughters are playing so nicely, let's sit on your future deck and have some sweet tea. Well, I had no friends and I had no place to go. So I said, sure. Well, we talked for four hours and three of those hours were about the Lord. The Lord gave me the perfect opportunity when she told me where they had buried their dog in our future yacht. With that, I said, well, I have a dog story to share. Well, the dog story I shared with her was about when we had our dog back in California and grandma just moved in with pancreatic cancer. And with three young kids, a husband who traveled, grandma sleeping on the main floor with a dog that barked, his hair was all over, and he'd run away the minute the door opened, I knew something had to give. So one night, I went into my oldest daughter's room and I said, Cambria, you know what? We haven't prayed specifically for Peppers. And I said, we need to pray for him exactly because God made him. And so he cares about our dog, too. So we pray specifically if there was a way to keep him, God would show us. If there was somewhere else that he should go, that he would make that clear, too. As soon as I left her room, I said, Lord, please show her how prayer works. Within five minutes, this is at night. This is like nine o'clock at night. I get a phone call. And it's from some lady, I don't know, going, oh, I just bring your aunt and I'm so excited. We've been looking for a dog and I want one with a curly tail and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I'm just sort of overwhelmed. And it turns out that they lived up in the mountains. And that's exactly where I knew our dog would love to be, being a Norwegian elk hound, sort of like a husky dog. So I said, well, we've been praying about finding the right home for him. And she said, well, we've been praying for the right dog. So I said, yes. So now as I hung up, I thought, how am I going to tell our kids the next morning that we're going to give away their beloved dog? But the Lord gave me exact right words. I said, guess what God did? God provided a new home for Peppers. So instead of tears, they were so excited. So sure enough, that weekend, we drove our dog up to this. It would have been a dog's heaven. There were two adults and a teenage son on a lot of acreage of land and they I thought oh our dog is gonna love this this is doggy heaven so we left but we said can we come back to visit and they said well sure well we tried and we couldn't find them again so our little two-year-old Danielle kept praying every night over dinner and peppers in the mountains peppers in the mountains one year goes by and I get a phone call and I recognized his voice it was the owner of peppers and he said I don't know if you remember me, but I said, of course I do. How's Peppers? Well, he goes on to say that he and his wife got a divorce. They had had to move. And where he moved, uh, he couldn't keep a dog. And he said, I remember you gave us a sheet of paper with all your info and everything about Peppers we'd ever want to know. And you said, if ever anything changes, please call us because maybe something will have changed in, in your life. But sure enough, our grandma had passed away during this time. So things had changed. He said, but I couldn't find that paper. And he said, so I prayed. And the first box I opened, there was that piece of paper right on the top. And that's how I'm calling you. Would you like your dog back? We immediately said, can we come tonight? So we jumped in the car and we see our dog. And the owner comes to us, tears in his eyes, and said, I don't know why I couldn't keep 
Peppers, I loved him. And then he sees our kids and our dog run and meet each other like if they had never missed a beat. And he said, now I know why. It's all the time I was just caring for your dog. So now I've told you the story. I told this lady who is selling her house to us. And when I finished telling that story, she said, you know what? Maybe all this time I've been looking for truth. And all along, it's been in Jesus. And it turns out that she also went to Michigan State at the same time I did. And so we had this immediate friendship. And she stayed in Atlanta. And the three of them professed the faith for Christ. We got to go to their baptism. And it all started with a dog story. Well, not long after... I asked the Lord again, use me and show me what you want me to do here in Atlanta. And this time he didn't need to bump me on the head, for I learned more how to listen to a still small voice. But it was clear I was to start the Mother to Mother radio show again. Now that was fall of 1995. Now, I wasn't sure how long it was going to last, but then the Lord made it clear his plan through the voice of my fourth grade old son. He heard the show on Homeschool Moms, and afterward he asked me, Mom, why can't you homeschool me? And I said, okay. And and by the way, this is a great thing to say to kids when you don't know how to answer a question when they might be giving you a good idea. I'd say, okay, sell me on the idea. And he came back the next day, and he had his list. But I thought, how in the world can I do this? So I told him, yes, somehow I'd figure out a way. Well, it wasn't me figuring out a way. It was the Lord figuring out a way. So I said, Lord, what can I do? How can I do this? Uh, how can I plan the show, find the panelists, find the sponsors, write the commercials, take care of three children, have my husband who travels, and now move my mom from Colorado into an Alzheimer's care home here and homeschool two of my three kids. I did not see any way possible. The next week, out of the blue, four ladies canceled for being on upcoming shows. It became clear to me that I also could cancel, and my year contract was going to be up very shortly. So I did. But now I was overwhelmed with the idea of homeschooling. But God provided day by day, and I learned to trust him one day at a time. I spent the majority of my time with my first grade daughter. And I came to see she could not read. No matter how hard she worked at, she struggled. She focused. She just couldn't get it. And one thing about having two older kids who basically almost were speed readers, and I knew how easy reading can come. So I knew something wasn't right, but I couldn't figure it out. Something is wrong. And so luckily I had her checked out by the counselor and what my, where my oldest daughters were. At that school, the counselor said, I think Danielle can't see angles. And if you can't see angles in letters, think how hard it would be to read. And as God planned, we were just minutes from one of the best vision therapists in the country. And sure enough, that is what it was. They said it was a visual perception issue. And with daily at-home exercises and once-a-week therapy in their office, they thought she would be on grade level in six weeks. 
I will never forget that three weeks later, she came to me and read a verse out of the Bible. And we both cried. If I... It's amazing. She just graduated with a master's. And here I am still getting tears. A master's in counseling. Anyway, if I hadn't been listening to Lord after listening to my son, I could have easily been caught up in all the busyness of my show and missed this precious window of time. I had seen her self-esteem start going down the tube, even from when she was just in kindergarten. And what could have happened if we had caught it then? I sense have found out that one out of four children and seven out of ten juvenile delinquents have vision problems that interfere with their ability to achieve. Ladies, if you know some young, bright child who just can't seem to read, no matter how hard they try, or has a low self-esteem because they just don't think they're smart, maybe consider looking into vision therapy. It will change a child's life. It will change their self-esteem, and they'll give them a chance to succeed, as it did for my daughter, who graduated with honors from college, and then after being a missionary in London, came back because she wanted to help women in sex trafficking, so got her counseling degree at uh, Denver Seminary. But anyway, back to this. <laughs> well, we loved our home and community in Roswell, Georgia, thinking this was our end home. But again, the Lord had a different plan. After a short three years, my husband lost his job. And in just two following weeks, our daughter got pneumonia. Our dog scared a UPS driver and she broke her leg and they were suing us. My mom died unexpectedly, and four days later, my uncle passed away. And then, part of that two weeks, there was a media job opportunity in Boston that my husband was going to go for final interviews on the day of my mom's death. Phew. Ladies, that can happen. All of a sudden, it just seems like out of the blue, everything is piled on your shoulders. But God is there. So wait, two months later, my husband started his first day in Boston at this new job. Now, since I don't want this uh, bedtime story of story time to put you to sleep, I will only give you highlights of the next 19 years we spent in Sudbury, Mass, a suburb of Boston. My children were now in second, sixth, and ninth grade. And by the way, I am not homeschooling. And so they were in three different schools. My husband's new job also had traveling a lot of the time. I was involved in my children's three schools and also started a Moms in Touch group, which is now called Moms in Prayer. And if you are not aware of it, please look into that of how to pray for your children scripturally while they're in school. It's wonderful. So I started in elementary and high school, and we could see God's hand in so many ways, so many specific answers to prayer in your schools. We found a little local church, so I got involved as uh, the Lord led into the women's ministry, the children's ministry, and my husband and I started preaching. Now, that wasn't all at once, but, you know, we were there for quite a while. I regularly attended Bible study fellowship until the Lord made it clear to start 
appearance in prayer for the private Christian middle school we found for our son. Well, at the same time, I was thinking after interviewing hundreds of moms from my two radio shows in California, Georgia, I couldn't get out of my head the thought that Jesus' mother, Mary, was a mom. And she had to have some of the same worries, the joys, the concerns that all of us moms have. So two years later, on a plane to see my dad in Denver, I just started writing. I started writing and crying and writing. And I know the guy sitting next to me thought I was wacko. But anyway, I looked at this, what I was writing, and I, I just said, Lord, what is this? Is it a short story? Is it... What is it? And I swear it was almost audibly. I heard him say, this is a drama and you're doing it. And it was like, <laughs> I mean, I have been acted since college, let alone memorize something like that. But I said, okay, Lord. And sure enough, he provided everything I needed, even down to the costume. And so that Easter, I gave the first performance of Mary's Heart the drama of Mary, starting on that first Easter day and then taking you back in time to Bethlehem and beyond. Then nine years later, I got a call from a friend asking if I was still speaking to mom's groups, to women's groups. And she asked if I would consider taking her place. She had a conflict. And I said, okay, I want to take your place for that one time and I will give it a try and we'll see how it goes. Well, after giving my talk, one lady accepted the Lord. And I said, if there is anything I can do or say to help someone ask the Lord into their life, I will continue doing this. So I got hooked. So for the next five years, I periodically spoke in eight states with Stonecock Ministries for their Women's Connection lunches. And at the same time, uh, era, same year type thing, I was able to dust off my modeling portfolio from decades earlier. And as it helped me pay for my college, now I was going to help pay for our daughter's costs because I was able to get commercials and being extras in movies to help with our daughter's education. Well, women kept asking me if I was going to do another drama. And I said, well, no, not until he tells me. So sure enough, in 2011, after giving Mary's heart and sharing Moses' story, some teens came up and asked me, it was right around Thanksgiving, and asked me, Miss Martinelli, we think you're the one to lead our teen retreat. And I said, well, great. Do you have a theme yet? And they said, yeah, it's Esther. Could you do Esther? <laughs> I, just, I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll do your retreat, but I don't know if I can do Esther. I'll pray about it. We'll see what God provides. Well, sure enough, I was able, this time it was reading because it was the whole book of Esther from the first person point of view called Time to Set the Record Straight, Esther's story. And she goes back and tells it from her point of view. Well, in 2013, one week in June, we got a buyer for our house there in Sudbury. And since we were empty nesters, we were downsizing. And in that one week, our oldest got engaged. I had just started a business with a friend and we got our first client. And out of the blue, my husband got a job offer at 68 years old, even though he was semi-retired. 
So all this again happened at once, but it, the job was back in Denver, which had always been the desire of my heart to return to what I considered was my mountain. So three days before Christmas 2013, we made the move to an apartment and eventually to our present home, which I'm sitting in right now, looking at my mountains as I'm talking. So here I've been involved with, as I mentioned in the beginning, the nonprofit, volunteering, and then on the board for Love in the Name of Christ, Love Inc. It's a national nonprofit. And then also, uh, the Lord led me to do one other drama, and this one was called What Was He Thinking? Sarah's Journey, so story of Sarah. And right before COVID, I wrote the first draft of possibly my last drama, Witness of the Woman at the Well. But I never say last. I always win, Lord. So as I continue, I love speaking to mom's groups. I have then asked if my calendar, my 1992 calendar was still available. And since, of course, that was years and years ago, what I remember and what I so appreciate by my calendar is I would write little, little comments. I still use it. I still flip it because I would write keepsake memories of things that happened through the years. So I keep that old ragged calendar to remind me of what happened in the 90s. So now after becoming a grandma too, Ada and Walden, and seeing again what my oldest daughter is experiencing as a mother today, I decided to write 100 new poems for today's moms and combine them with many of my others I wrote for the perpetual calendar I wrote then. So sure enough, in 2019, it was published and is called Mom's Moments, Smiles to Remember. It's really a three-in-one gift book. It's a well, keepsake memory journal, a daily devotional, and it has 366 of my poems to encourage, inspire, make you laugh, give parenting tips and tools for moms of all ages and stages. Also in the book, there are four parenting tools that can be downloaded uh, for free from my website of joyinparenting.com. And this book is available on Amazon. Also, just for fun, you can see on my website uh, the video of me crossing off one of my big bucket list items. So writing the book was one in 2019, and this was the second one. And that was jumping out of a plane for my 70th birthday. But the huge surprise, and my husband pulled off, which is rare for him to pull off a, a major surprise for me, was that my three adult children jumped with me. So if you see it on my website, you will crack up because I was cracking up. I, I couldn't stop talking. I was so excited. But each of us, of course, had a tandem. We jumped tandemly with an instructor. So believe me, we did not do this alone because they knew what they were doing. But it has been a huge highlight to welcome in this next decade and adventure of my life when I turned 70. Sherry, that final image could not be more perfect from everything you've just explained in your life. Because as you've shared, uh, hopefully the listeners are hearing what I'm hearing, the theme of availability and obedience over and over and over again. And, and to hear you talk about being available 
and obedient mm -hmm. to take this literal leap <laughs> out of a plane, <laughs> which is a, a perfect metaphor for probably so many times in, in your life prior to where you, I, I would guess, felt like you were doing that. Just absolutely leaping out of a plane kind of into the unknown. Absolutely. But like you said, you are not leaping alone. And you, and you leap with the professional. You leap with the expert. And you don't leap until the expert says it's time to leap. <laughs> you don't leap until you've been equipped with all of the tools and information from your leader, from the expert. And I think, ladies, if you can just sort of take that image for your life and just what an example hearing your story, Sherry, I know a lot of us think, well, that would never happen to me. Gosh, I would never end up having all of these situations. But the reason you had them is not because you're, you know, a million times more special than every other lady, but it's because Absolutely. you were available. You were listening and you were obedient. Mm -hmm. And therefore, every leap, you, you land on your feet, even if you land in a place you weren't expecting, but it, you had to get there first to then get to the ultimate goal and just always, always following the guide because we can, we can leap out of any plane as long as we're strapped to Jesus, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I love what you said. I love that metaphor, Jessica. Thank you. I'm going to use that. That's so good. <laughs> I'm so glad. I like it just, oh my gosh, a picture. And I mean, of course I know, you know, I know your family so well, I can just see it all. I'm, I'll have to look at that video very, very shortly here. So you know, as we wrap up, I always ask our speaker to, to pray over the listeners, but knowing your creative background and knowing all of the things you have to, and, and just a quick side note, listeners, everything she has mentioned, every website and, and link and, and book and, and all of that, everything that's available will have in the episode notes. Um, so you can click on that uh, pretty easily. But we wanted to ask uh, Sherry to share just one of her 366 poems and, and then lead out of that poem into a prayer for all of you listening. And, and I know, Sherry, your heart is for moms, but but all for all women and for everybody who is, is listening, that you would just find that encouragement to be available and to be obedient and know that you can jump. You can jump anytime. Just strap yourself to Jesus and you can jump. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Jessica, so much. Oh, I, oh, it has been such a joy and pleasure being with you all, even though I can't see you all. But thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be part of this wonderful podcast. So yes, it was hard to pick. Uh, but being Jessica is a new mom, it just seemed apropos that this one not only fits her, but it should fit all of us. So let me uh, read this one. I was feeding my newborn in the middle of the night, sleep-deprived, but happy. I loved just holding her so tight. I was staring at this miracle so perfect in every way, a masterpiece the Lord created, as if he wanted to say, I have designed her with a plan and purpose, as you are too. I already know in advance all the good work she will do. I look forward to teaching her all the many truths about you, your love, wisdom, forgiveness, and many mighty miracles, too. So someday when she's older, she'll ask you to come in and rule her life. 
receiving this gift of love from you to guide her days of joy and strife. I want to make sure that she knows she is not saved by the work she will do, but because she is saved, she will want to do good works in love to honor you. And of course, I will pray, but I want you to know that said she, and of course, Jessica has a little boy. So just change the pro pronoun and it will fit for you too. Thank you. I would love to close. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity that I have had to share my story that you gave me with so many of these women out there, wherever they are. Maybe there's some men too, Lord. So I thank you for whomever is listening. Lord, I thank you for Jessica, and I thank you for her ministry. I thank you for this podcast. I thank you for this vehicle to reach so many. Lord, each of us have been designed with a plan and purpose. And I just pray that something I have said will just uh, touch the heart of each person who is listening, that they will realize that you don't make mistakes, that you have a plan and purpose for each life to use the talents and gifts that you have given them for your glory and your purpose. Lord, I just pray that each woman uh, just rests, rests in you. You know, if that she looks to you, that she shows that she's available, that she is willing, and that she steps out in obedience, that she also takes a leap. And as she is willing to just trust you, to show her step by step what to do, when to do, how to do, and that your burden is light and your yoke is easy. And that this should not be a burden, but a joy. Lord, let them see that it's an adventure. I thank you for the venture you've uh, brought me through. And I thank you for just this opportunity again. And we look expectantly for what you're going to do in each lady's lives, in our lives, one day at a time for what you're going to show us. So, Lord, we pray this and we pray it all in your precious son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Sherry, so much. Thank you for being on here. Thank you for sharing your story and, and taking the time and and for all of the resources that, that you have to share with us. I know that, that many of those will be very impactful and very useful for our listeners. So thank you again. And, th and thank you, ladies, for listening. We hope you were blessed. We hope you were encouraged. We hope you are ready to jump out of a plane, but strap yourself <laughs> to Jesus first. <laughs> Don't forget that. That's a very important step. And um, and that you will join us next time for our next story. Good night, thank you. The Story Night Podcast. A ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women.